Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. Uh, last time I was with you, we talked about work. Uh, God's work, your work, your work, and God's work. And so I wanted to continue on that theme today. You know, pretty much everyone works, whether it's part-time, full-time, in an office or at home, uh, including those of you who are studying uh, or working from home or volunteering in the church, whether paid or not. Uh, we all contribute. We all work. And work is part of God's plan for our lives. And as we looked last time, God is interested in our work. He's a worker and he's commissioned us to work also and to join with him in his work in the world. And so all of life is sacred, including your job and your work. And we gather on the weekend, whether it's online or in person. That's an important part of our faith as followers of Jesus. But most of the week we spend out in the marketplace. Uh, and that's a real important area. It's also sacred to God. And so last time we looked at the purpose of work being to glorify God, to serve people with a product or a service, uh, to provide meaningful contribution. We all have a longing to, to be needed to do something with our life and finally to generate wealth. And so today I want to continue your work, God's work part two, uh, and look at the fact that how we go about our work really matters. Uh, we're going to turn to the book of Colossians in the New Testament. This is a little letter that Paul wrote to a church in the city of Colossae. And uh, there's a lot of great, great material in this book. It's a great book to read. Starts really inspiring about Christ and his work in the world. And then God gets really practical as the letter goes on. Paul's got some instructions for all kinds of people. They're often called the household codes. And so he's got some tips for husbands, for wives, for parents, for children, as well as for slaves and for masters. You know, the Roman Empire in the first century was a very patriarchal society. It was also one that was structured around slavery. And so Paul doesn't seek to overthrow that particular social order, but he gives advice to followers of Jesus about how they can live and work within the inherited social reality that they had. You know, slavery was a big part of the Roman world at that time. Um, slaves did much of the work in society. In fact, it's estimated that one in three of the population of Italy, Rome, were slaves and as many as one in five across the empire. And so slavery was part of the social strata at that time. It differed very much from modern slavery in that it wasn't based on race. But like modern slavery, it was often abusive and a degrading institution and cruelty was commonplace. So with that as background, let's listen to some advice Paul gives Colossians 3 verses 22 onwards. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Down to verse 25, uh, but if you do what is wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. And then he goes on and he talks to the masters. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. And then verse 5 and 6, live wisely among those who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. 
Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. One translation says seasoned with salt, flavorsome. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response to everyone. You know, as we read our Bibles, we believe that they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so first of all, we want to ask, what did this mean back then in that time? And as you can see, we've got slaves and masters in a, a very different society than we have today. But then we want to ask, what does that mean for us today? And I believe there's some transferable principles for our life today, particularly in relation to work. Hopefully you don't feel like a slave and hopefully bosses aren't called master uh, in your work environment. But there's some principles here that can help us as followers of Jesus as we go about our work. And as you'll notice, uh, how we work really does matter. Let's draw a couple of thoughts for our lives today. Number one is to be diligent in our work. Uh, notice Paul says here, work willingly at whatever you do uh, as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. The one you're serving is actually Christ. Uh, and so for us, as we go about our work as followers of Jesus, the first thing is to, to be diligent, to put in a good day's work to work really, really well. Um, my dad used to say, some people work hard, some people hardly work. <laughs> Hopefully you're the former rather than the latter. Uh, Paul actually says, imagine that what you're doing, you're doing for Jesus himself. That's a pretty big paradigm shift. Imagine if you're mowing a lawn or building something or creating something or putting a spreadsheet together or, or cooking a meal, whatever you do. Imagine if Jesus had asked you to do that. What kind of quality work would you do? Well, I think you'd do your very, very best. And that's what Paul's saying as we go about our work. It's not just doing a job, but how we do our job with excellence. Uh, you know, Jesus once said, if uh, someone bids you to go a mile, uh, go an extra mile. In the first century, by law, a Roman soldier could ask someone to carry uh, their goods for a mile, but they couldn't force you to go an extra mile. Jesus says, go the extra mile. That's amazing that we don't just do what's expected. We don't just do the norm, but we do that little bit extra. You know, someone once said the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is that little bit extra. And so don't just do an ordinary job, do an extraordinary job. That little bit extra uh, is the excellence that we're called to have as we go about our work. I think I mentioned last time uh, the story of Michelangelo, who was asked why he was working so diligently in one dark corner of the Sistine Chapel, where no one would see. And he said, God will see. God will see. Imagine if everything we did, we did as unto the Lord. And so I want to encourage you, whatever work you may be going about this week, uh, give it 100%. Uh, do your very best. You know, in the Old Testament, Daniel was described as 10 times better than the rest of the people on his team. It's not about competition. It's not about being better than others, but it's about being the very best we can be, uh, maximizing our potential. And so give your very best. Be diligent in your work. Don't be like that one person who said, I always give 100% at work, 12% on Monday, 23% on Tuesday, 40% on Wednesday, 20% on Thursday, and 5% on Friday. No, no. Uh, every day, every moment you have to contribute. Be diligent in your work. I think that's something relevant for all of us today. Uh, second lesson from our reading today is to be a person of integrity. Integrity means there's an integration between who I present and who I really am when no one's looking. Notice Paul says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do 
Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. (laughs) Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. You know, it's easy to do a good job when the boss is in the room. You know, when someone's watching you, we can have a great attitude. We can work really hard. But what happens when no one's looking, when no one can see? Do we still put in the same effort? And so simply being honest, putting in an honest day's work, not not, not cheating, not stealing time or or, or goods from, from our, our boss or our master. Uh, just being honest, being a person of integrity. This, this is for employers too. You know, if you're a business owner or an employer today or a boss, uh, notice Paul actually talks to masters about how they treat their, their slaves to do what is fair and just. And so not only be diligent in your work, but work with integrity, with honesty, such an important value uh, for us as followers of Jesus. Thirdly is to be considerate. Uh, Notice that Paul says to live wisely among the people we do life with. Let your conversation or your words be gracious and attractive. Uh, This has to do with the way we relate with people in our work. You know, some studies have been done about what makes for a successful contributor in the workplace. Uh, Daniel Goleman has a whole um, research on this, and he talks about IQ, your intellectual quotient, your intelligent. He talks about technical skill, which is your ability to do certain things. And then he talks about emotional intelligence, your EQ, emotional quotient. And he's discovered that in the workplace, your emotional intelligence is twice as important as your IQ and your technical skill. In other words, you can be brilliant, you can have great amazing skills, but if your ability to get along with people is not very good, you're not going to do well in the workplace. In fact, that's twice as important. And emotional intelligence is being aware of your own moods, your own attitudes, and how that's affecting others, as well as endeavoring to be sensitive to and empathetic to how other people are feeling. It could be as simple as this. I I like to jokingly say, you know, sometimes you're on the computer and an email comes and this email is really annoying you and you're angry and someone knocks at the door and you go, what? (laughs) What have you done? You've just spread your anger about this situation on someone who's knocking at the door has nothing to do with it. How many know people will think twice before knocking on your door? Well, emotional intelligence is simple as you're answering the email, you're reading it, you're angry, you're annoyed and someone knocks on the door and you go, yes, can I help you? You, you quarantine that emotion and you don't spread it over to someone else who has nothing to do with the situation. They're very simple, but being aware of our moods, our attitudes, our emotions, and learning to get on with a wide variety of people is a key to being effective in the workplace. And so Paul's saying, think about how you speak. Make sure your language, the way you talk to people around you is gracious and attractive. And so just just our attitude, our relationships, being considerate is another really important thing to think about how we go about our work. So be diligent, be a person of integrity, be considerate, your, your relationships, not just doing a good job, it's not just being smart, intelligent or skillful, but thinking about how we relate to people. Then fourthly, uh, be ready to share your faith. Notice he says there, as we're going about our work, most of us are out in the marketplace throughout the week. He says, uh, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so you'll have the right response, the right answer 
for everyone. And so this is number one. We don't go to work, you know, just, just to witness all the time. That would be an abuse of our time and our employment. We're, we're there to work, to contribute, to do a good job. But, you know, as you go about your life, as you live as a follower of Jesus, you'll find people will notice. People are watching. People are listening and observing how you handle pressure, how you relate to difficult situations. And, and opportunities will come uh, where people say, so what's different about you? What did you do on the weekend? And here we're to be ready to share our faith, to give an answer, to give a reason for the faith that we have. And uh, there's some great opportunities. People today, you know, they may not be necessarily religious, but people are still very spiritual. They have questions about meaningful things, life and death and eternity and, and purpose in life. And so we can be ready to give an answer for the faith that we have. And so, so it's good just to pause right now and go, how's your work going? Whether it's volunteer, whether it's part-time, full-time, whether you're studying, uh, how's your work going? Do a bit of a checkup. And uh, are you modeling these qualities that Paul gives to us today, being diligent, being a person of integrity, being considerate in our relationships and being ready to share our faith. In fact, here's a good question. If your job was advertised today, would you get it? That's a good checkup, isn't it? Would I actually get the job that I've got today? Um, you know, if you left your workplace, would people be sad? You know, in Acts chapter 20, Paul left Ephesus where he'd worked for three years and there were tears. <laughs> you know, would there be tears if you left? Hopefully not tears of joy. Uh, why were people sad? Because Paul had added so much value to this community that they were, they, they, they were just crying to see him go. So uh, again, it's just a good check to go, how am I going about my work? You know, I believe how we work matters. And as Christians, we should be the best employees and we should be the best employers. The best bosses should be people of faith. Sadly, that's not always the case. I talked to some business owners and they've actually had negative experiences with Christians that they've employed. And some would say, I don't, don't employ Christians anymore because it just doesn't work. That, that, that's not the way it should be. I believe as Christians, we should be the best employees in our attitude, our effort, our contribution. And the same as bosses, we should be the same. Paul's actually saying how we work, how we act and live in the marketplace is really important and a part of our discipleship. So as we wrap this up today, let me say just as a, a concluding thought that uh, your work matters, your work is sacred, how you go about your work is important. But a couple of little qualifying points in conclusion. Firstly, you are not your job. You are not your job. Work's important, but it's not everything. You know, it's interesting in the West, one of the first things we ask when you meet someone, particularly for guys, is, hi, what's your name? Secondly, what's the next question? What do you do for work? <laughs> what do you do for a living? It's interesting how the second question is always about what you do. A few years ago, uh, Pastor Robin Christie and myself and Nicole and a few other church leaders went on an Indigenous awareness trip, which was just eye-opening. And uh, we learned a lot about Indigenous culture. I was amazed how often it was more similar to kingdom values than to our Western capitalism. And, you know, if, if you're an Indigenous person, your first question is, hi, what's your name? The second question is not what you do, it's who's your mob? <laughs> who's your mob? Tell me about the people, the family, the community you're a part of. 
Because in that culture, who you are is actually more important than what you do. And, and so I think that's a good adjustment for us is your work's important, but you are not your job. <laughs> you have an identity based on who you are. And sometimes work can become idolatrous in that we get our identity, our security, our significance uh, from our work. And then we're often, often driven uh, through some um, fuel that's a little bit toxic in its motivation. And so you are more than your job. Don't buy into the greed and the workaholism uh, that can so often impact our culture. Uh, secondly, make time for rest. You know, even God worked for six days and on the Sabbath he rested. And it's actually a command. In fact, in the Old Testament, if you didn't keep the Sabbath, they killed you. <laughs> Nowadays, we just kill ourselves when we work and work and work and work. And so we need a rhythm of activity and rest, of work and Sabbath. And if we violate that, it's of detriment to our well-being. You know, back in 2002, I had a six-month emotional valley that was really difficult. I didn't know whether it was a midlife crisis or the enemy or God. But I came to discover through some counsel that I had some adrenaline exhaustion. I'd been living at a pace that wasn't sustainable. I'd been working, 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 but I violated this Sabbath principle. And so you're not your job and you need to make time for rest. And we unfortunately live in a culture that almost glorifies workaholism. And if you go, how's your week been? What's a typical answer? Oh, busy, busy. As if being busy means I'm important. I'm in demand. And so learning to be unbusy, to stop, to pause. A quick little checklist for you today. Are you a workaholic? Here's 10 questions. Number one, are you always in a hurry? talking to a dad the other day and was chatting about once when one of their kids were little, the little kid in the backseat said, Dad, why are we always in a hurry? It was a bit of a, a wake-up call for this high-powered, busy leader that I was talking to. Are, are you always in a hurry? Secondly, does your to-do list always have more on it than you could possibly accomplish in a single day? Thirdly, does doing nothing drive you up the wall? Have you always got to be doing something? Fourthly, do you find it difficult to say no to new opportunities? Fifthly, do you feel guilty when you relax? Sixthly, do you frequently find it difficult to turn your mind off at night when you go to bed? Seven, do people around you tell you you should slow down? Is, is that a common experience? Number eight, do you procrastinate about taking holidays? You know, how many annual leave days have you accumulated? How much long service leave? Do you always put holidays off? That's, that's a possible warning sign. Uh, number nine, do you have to get sick to slow down? <laughs> Some people have to hit the wall, get sick before they'll actually slow down. And number 10, do you ever take business-related reading material into the toilet? <laughs> if so, then you are a confirmed workaholic. Uh, you know, if you answered yes to any or quite a number of those questions, then it might be a, a bit of an indicator that you need to evaluate uh, the place that work has in your life. I've answered yes to all of those at times. Uh, I love work. And again, my dad used to say the reward of work well done is more work. <laughs> and if you're good at your work, you'll get more work than you can actually do. And so these qualifiers are important. You, you are not your job. Secondly, you need to make time for rest. Uh, get a good balance of activity and rest. Underwork we want to avoid, laziness, but overwork, workaholism, drivenness is also very dangerous for us. And so we need margin in our lives. 
And that's one thing that's missing today. We don't have margin in our budgets. We don't have margin in our schedules. We don't have margin because we're filling everything with activity. So make time for rest. Thirdly, balance work with the other aspects of your life. Life is not just about work. In fact, if you read the whole book of Colossians, it's about Jesus and his plan for the world. It's about your family. It's about, yes, your work environment. It's also about the church that you're a part of. And so there's more to life than work. And so quarantine, have some boundaries, have some limits, learn to say no and make sure that You've got time for those important relationships. You've got time to volunteer and serve in the church. You know, no one on their deathbed said, I wish I spent more time in the office. And so don't let work become your whole life. Work work is important, but balance work with the other aspects of your life. And so I wonder whether maybe there's some adjustment for you today. Maybe work has filled too much of your world and you need to pull back a little bit. Maybe even adjust your expectations. Maybe live a little less. Maybe even lower your living standard uh, financially, but actually have more joy and more peace and less stress in your life. And so as we wrap this up today, your work, God's work. Your work matters to God. It's actually sacred. And how you go about your work really matters. And so I want to pray for you in a moment. Maybe you're uh, listening to the message today and you don't have a job. I've got great faith to pray for employment. I'm going to do that. Uh, Maybe you really do need a different job. Maybe it's just not a great fit or not a a great culture and it's time for a change. That's okay. Or, Or maybe you don't need a new job. Maybe you just need a new perspective on the job you already have. How you work really does matter. And of course, work isn't everything. Let's pray. Uh, Dear God, thank you for the Bible, which is inspired. Thank you that here in Colossians, we have Paul taking some time to tell people how to live and work within the structure that they found themselves. And for us today, Lord, all of us are in a place, in society, in an area, in a sphere that you have us. And I pray today that we'd see that what we do really matters. It's sacred. And we do everything as unto you. Help us to be diligent. May we be people of integrity. May we be considerate in our relationships and always ready to share our faith. Most of all, help us realize we are more than our work. Help us to embrace the principle of rest and to balance work with family and our time with you and our contribution to the church and our community. And so I pray a blessing today for those that are looking for work. I ask for your favor on them. Lord, as they put job applications in, go for interviews, just provide the right job, the right fit, the right match to their gifts and finance for them. Bless them today. For those that need need a change in work, look, that, that could be a difficult time. I pray once again for wisdom and courage to help them in this time of transition. And for those of us who have a job, Lord, we're just thankful to have a job. And so I pray that we'd go about our work in a way that would honor you and draw people to you. I ask this today in Jesus' name. Bless Bayside, bless all the staff, all the volunteers. And for those that are maybe watching today that don't know you, that even today you would reveal yourself to them, that they would know that you love them, you have an amazing plan for their life, and they would open up to your work in their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Always good to share with you, Bayside. God bless you. Have a great day and have a great week of work coming up. See you next time. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.